This is a GRDC podcast. Crop competition to control weeds is a simple proposition. Grow a crop that can outperform weeds, stopping or at least inhibiting their growth. While it sounds simple, in practice there's a lot to it. Many variables that can affect the outcome, like planting density, row spacing, even seed size in crops like canola. Another issue is how quickly your pre-emergent herbicide degrades in the soil. In other words, how long it works controlling the first flush of weeds. The Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative, in partnership with the University of Adelaide, is conducting trials across the Western Australian wheat belt looking at these variables. And I was lucky enough to visit one of the trial sites near Cojanup, where I caught up with Ari's Mike Ashworth, just after a field walk by a group of growers and agronomists. A couple of years ago, Chris Preston in South Australia found through quite a few trials in the Air Peninsula that uh, when we sowed early, we actually got excellent control of weeds. So it's always been our fundamental understanding or our belief that if we want to get really good control of weeds, we really needed to wait, get a good flush of weeds, get an excellent knockdown, and then we'd be sowing into a far, far cleaner seed bank or a far more diminished seed bank. But uh, what Chris actually found through his trials in South Australia was that when we sowed early, we were actually, with an excellent pre-emergent herbicide, we were able to grow a far more competitive crop that resulted in far less seeds per square metre being added to the seed seed bank. Because the soil was warmer. Yeah, well, it's basically the crop had a far more time to grow and it was warmer and the crop was far more vigorous against that weed. So, and it it sort of, it really does relate to the herbicide used, right? So within this trial, we have actually, we have obviously a nil control, no herbicide applied at all. And my gosh, that's filthy. (laughs) It's it's amazing. But the other treatments we do have is we have trifluralin, two litres of trifluralin. We have box of gold at two and a half litres. So that's a mixture of metallochlor and prosulfocarb. Right? And then we have peroxisulfone, which is Sakura, at 118 grams within this trial. Okay, so what were you looking to prove? So what we've got in this trial is we've got two seeding rates. So what we've got, the first sowing rate, which is extremely early for this area, it's probably mm. likely to get frosted, but it was 15th of April into dry soil. So no knockdown at all. And then we sowed five weeks later in the 20th of May, which is our next major treatment there. And it had a knockdown, which was more sort of a a standard sowing period. So we're looking at the way that the herbicide is is decaying in these soils. What is the impact of going dry? And are we seeing those benefits to the competitiveness with these treatments? Okay, so uh, the degradation issue, what did you find there? Uh, So what we actually did was at sowing, and every two weeks after that, we came out here and we took soil cores of every plot. And then what we did was we plated them at the University of Western Australia, just in small petri dishes, and we sowed a susceptible ryegrass variety within that. And what we found was that as time went on, both in the delayed sowing and the early sowing, trifluralin was the herbicide that ran out of puff earliest. Okay, And that backs up Dave Minke's work here in Western Australia, where he actually looked at it, the effectiveness of that herbicide just in a, in a fallow situation. Following that, the box of gold, that stuck around for a little bit longer at the start, but then degraded rapidly after about four weeks. And then the peroxisulfone, that stuck around for an awful lot longer. And we're actually finding in these trials that peroxisulfone, especially under a high seeding rate of 200 plants per square metre, is still retarding the growth of that ryegrass there. 
and we're, we're expecting a significant reduction in the seed bank seed bank inputs within those treatments. Now, we've got to qualify this by saying this is the first year of this trial, isn't it? It is, it is. So this trial is a GRDC initiative where it's basically we've got three trials this year, three trials next year and three trials the year after that. And the reason why we're doing nine is because it's environmentally impacted. Okay, so within this trial we actually have, you know, it's, it's affected by when we have the break of the season. Mm. Is it the whole lot going to be dry? Is some of it going to be in wet? So we're currently in Cogenup where the first time of sowing really did emerge. However, we also had sites at York and at Miley in the northern grain belt where it didn't rain till the middle of June. Yeah. So those early time of sowing, that was sitting in the ground in dry soil for in excess of seven weeks. Uh, but yet, you're still seeing the same sort of uh, effect? Yeah. So what we did was well, over that period, we'd monitored the decline in the efficacy of the herbicide at the university and we found that trifluralin was running out of puff earliest to a point where basically when we did get rain, there was almost no pre-emergent herbicide there for it. So that's a fairly clear-cut message then. So when we, if you have to dry, if you have to sow early, sorry, I just had a swig of water. That's okay, um, So um, if you have to sow early, what you have to do is you have to pick your herbicide, okay? Mm. So if you're having to dry sow and you know that, you know, it's going to be a little while, go on with a bit of Sakura, at least tank mix, you know, maybe trifluralin with Sakura or something, but get some Sakura in there. It's going to give you a lot more longevity. But, you know, if, you, if, it's, if the break of the season is going to come up a lot closer and you think it's definitely going to be there, then you might be able to get away with trifluralin. Trifluralin would last quite well. Trifluralin, surprisingly, when we do have a good break, it really is an excellent herbicide. Mm. Growers here today, they seem to be a bit surprised at how quickly it, it degrades. It did, it did. And it sort of backed up their understanding that where they did use Sakura, they really did get that longevity of control in it. They really did like that message. So mm. the, the question is, how do we utilise Sakura the best? You know, do we tank mix it? And we've got to be really careful about just saying, oh, let's just jump into Sakura. Mm. Because there was a lot of work, really good work done by Roberto Buzzi at, the, at, at ARI, who actually demonstrated that if we, we use Sakura year on year, we're going to select for resistance. Same with Boxer Gold, it's a metabol mm. metabolism-based resistance. So what we need to do is we need to rotate between those longer lasting herbicides and our shorter lasting trifluralin in order to maintain the long-term effectiveness or the resistance evolution to those herbicides. And, and the other important part there is, is again, this crop competition issue to help out yeah. the herbicide. So within this trial, we had a third factor, which was crop yeah. competition. So these trials are pretty darn big. So what we had is we had a low sowing rate, which was 100 plants per square metre. We had a medium, which 150, so that's around the optimum. Around the optimum is 160 plants per square metre. And then we had a high sowing rate, which was 200 plants per square metre. And when, whenever we had the high sowing rate, we really did herb, help those herbicides out an awful lot. We had a reduction, we had a competitive response against the herbicides, especially against uh, Sakura. How significant was that reduction in uh, ryegrass? So what was it? was I a suppose visual. you haven't measured it yet, have We you? haven't, but it's a highly visual response. Yeah. You could definitely see that that response was there. Mm. And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be going in doing biomass cuts. So we're going to use, we're going to need the biomass per, per unit area, as well as the seed production from mm. those, those cuts as well. Yeah, you couldn't have picked a weedier paddock, I don't think. I mean, this is incredible. It's a, it's a great sheep paddock to test your theories. Just about every paddock's got a patch like this. You yeah. know? And uh, the main reason why we need to do this work is we really need to understand how do we control those patches that are left, all right? Yeah. We have herbicide resistance that's taking off, so we need to make our crops as competitive as possible and understand the agronomy of weed control the best so we can 
minimize if not eliminate the weed seed set on those areas because the seed bank is the criminal is you know it's the culprit of the problems not necessarily just those weeds mm. so the higher seeding rate did that double your weed control it just as you say it's only a visual uh, it's just a visual response yeah. unfortunately we can't make those extrapolations but yeah. when it's visual it's going to be statistically significant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, you can definitely see those differences. And the growers were able to pick them really quite quickly. The other thing we're doing on these sites is in order to contextualise exactly what's happening with these herbicides, we actually have data loggers in the middle of them, which is actually sitting there consistently every hour yeah. for the whole duration of this trial, measuring soil moisture and soil temperature. We're, we're hoping by the end of this project to be able to correlate the rate of breakdown or the, the way these herbicides break down to the, the period that this, this soil was moist mm. or, and, and the temperatures okay. that this herbicide but experienced. That, that will be valuable. It yeah. will be. Yeah. yeah. I just want to get a bit of a handle on what growers do. I mean, what, what would be a district average here? What, would, what rate would they plant at? Yeah. What row spacings? What chemical would they use? So this is, this, these trials were sown at nine inch row spacing. So that's slightly on the narrower side for most growers. Most growers are around that 10 to 12 inch row spacing. And in this area, we had our high sowing rate at 200 plants per square metre. That is slightly higher than this district average, mm. all right? So these growers are actually doing a really good job of keeping their seed rates up on mm. the wheat, mm. which is fantastic given that it's a, it's a relatively high yielding area. But growers in the north of the state, north of Western Australia, for instance, are really cutting their rates, right? Because they want to finish the plant. They don't want to outcompete the individual plants. What because, do you mean by that? Well, they, you know, the rainfall is so fundamentally limited. They don't want to have interplant, intercrop competition. Oh, okay. so, yeah. so they're trying to reduce the number of plants there. Yep. However, that's really going to come at a cost. So this is going to be the response here and the optimal sowing rate is really going to be dependent on where you grow. Okay, mm -hmm. Because in the end of the day, what we're trying to do out of this wheat crop is utilise all those resources. We don't want to leave moisture around for that ryegrass to grow. We don't want to leave light we want to make sure that the crop is absolutely gobbling everything up. Yeah, you're looking for yield as well. As and, you yield, and that's yeah. going to result in more yield. So the more yep. the more resources that crop uses, the higher the potential yield. Mike Ashworth from RE. Now, while I was there that day, I also talked to Mike about some crop competition trials he's doing in canola crops. Make sure you have a listen to that podcast. The impact that sowing rate and seed size had on ryegrass was pretty amazing. My name is Chris Brown.